Welcome to the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I'm your host, Marie Wold, health and fitness influencer, coach, and lifestyle entrepreneur committed to educating and empowering women to become their very best selves. Each week, my guests and I are proving that with hard work and the right mindset, absolutely anything is possible. We are here to bring you not just inspiration, but also actionable takeaways that you can use to create a life that you love right now. We're talking all things personal development, including health, fitness, confidence, relationships, and so much more. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. You're listening to episode number 25 of the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. And for my Americans listening, this week's show is just in time for one of my personal favorite holidays, Thanksgiving. Obviously, since this is the Grind and Be Grateful podcast, gratitude is super important. And I love that it's so central during this time of year. Everyone practices more of it. And I wish that continued forever. But I'm so just thankful that everyone really focuses on gratitude and expressing gratitude around this time of year because it really shows the power of it. And unfortunately, sometimes the magic of this holiday season can be overshadowed by our own personal struggles, particularly around food and exercise. Sometimes we just get so wrapped up in our diet, in our fitness, that we lose sight of the magic. We let food and body concerns take our focus off of being present, enjoying our time with our loved ones, enjoying the celebrations and the food. And some of you guys listening right now are kind of like, holy crap, this is me like raising your hand, either physically or internally. And you maybe have spent past holidays worried about eating the right things or not eating too much, or then you do eat too much, you feel guilty and you try to work off your food and promise to be better. And it's just like this internal mental war. If you've ever experienced that in the holidays and you want this year to be different, then this is for you. And let me just say, if you can relate to that, it's okay. I can relate to that. That was me a few years ago. And it's more normal than you think. And we're here to support you in this episode. So today I sat down with my friend, Jessie Jean, and she is a certified eating psychology coach. And she helps women evolve their relationship with food, ditch dieting and reclaim their health and happiness in all areas of life. And not only is Jessie incredibly knowledgeable and has the credentials to back that stuff up, she has also personally overcome massive struggles with eating disorders, body image, exercise, self-worth, like all of that stuff, you guys. And she is living proof that there is so much life and freedom on the other side of our struggles with food and body. And I'm really, really excited for you to hear from her and especially her wisdom and strategies around the holiday season and how you can approach things in a balanced, healthy way where stress about food and exercise doesn't cloud your experience. And I feel like this conversation really couldn't have come at a better time. We also talk about things like how to not attach your self-worth to the scale, how to measure your progress, what it's been like transitioning from a life of restriction to a life of freedom freedom, the difference between flexible dieting and intuitive eating and like who should do what and what tools you can use to create food freedom and a better relationship with food and body. And we really covered so much good stuff in this episode. And I'm really, really excited for you to hear it. But before we get to the good stuff, let's go ahead and do the review of the week. This one is from N Sanchez XO. And she says, loving it. Recently, I have gained weight. Same girl. I felt lost and hopeless and just gave up. But listening to you has changed the way I see things and has taught me new things too. Thank you. 
And I thought this review was relevant for today's episode, of course, because we do talk about how to overcome an attachment to your weight and other ways to establish self-worth and if gaining weight should always be viewed as a bad thing and why it maybe shouldn't and how we can view progress in other ways. And I think having a dialogue about that is super important because there is so much that we can't see and experience and embrace when we are super wrapped up in weight in our bodies. Like that really sucks the life out of us and keeps us from living up to our full potential. So girl, I feel you, but there's so much life on the other side. And that doesn't mean that you can't have physical goals. That doesn't mean that you can't have a fitness routine and want to improve the way you look. It just means that you shouldn't make those goals your entire life. And those goals should come from a place of love. So I'm so glad that this podcast can provide you some perspective and affirmation and point you in the right direction and just show you that you are already amazing and have so much going for you. So thank you so much for leaving your review and for listening to the show. If you want to receive a virtual hug from me and be featured on the show as a review of the week, you can head on over to iTunes right now or later if you're driving. Head over to iTunes on your computer or on the podcast app on your iPhone. Search for the show and then just scroll down and you can leave a rating and a review. It literally takes two minutes and it supports the show so, so much. I'm just so thankful for everyone that takes time to do this because it helps us move up the charts and also grow our community. It just helps new people discover this show. So thank you so much if you take the time to do that. If you do take the time to do so, please send me a screenshot of your review through Instagram. My username is Marie E. Wold. That's W-O-L-D. And I will send you my ebook, Flexible Dieting Made Simple as a Little Thank You. And we talked a ton about flexible dieting in this episode. So this is a great place for you to start if you want to learn more or just brush up on your info and strategies for flexible dieting. Think of this as like your first step to better understanding nutrition and finding food freedom. If you are interested in it, you'll love it. So if you want to grab a copy, simply leave the show a review, send me a screenshot and I will hook you up. Hey, I want to ask you something. How would it feel to finally be fully confident in who you are, how you are and what you look like? How would it feel to go into social events and holidays with zero anxiety about food or workouts or zero guilt about your choices after? How would it feel to finally find women who get you and want to support you in your journey? How would it feel to finally have a plan that fits your unique life and goals and feels maintainable instead of suffocating? How would it feel to go shopping and just love how you feel in all of the clothes that you try on and just be confident under those fitting room lights? How would it feel to make progress toward your health and fitness goals while still eating your favorite foods and actually enjoying your workouts? Yes, that's possible. And how would it feel to finally be able to step into your power and own your life instead of watching it pass you by? How would all of that feel? pretty freaking amazing, right? Like so, so good. I can feel it in my body right now and it's all I want. And that is what's in store for all of the amazing women who have already joined the Move Nourish Shine Collective. And we would love nothing more than for you to join us. We are waiting for you with open arms and almond milk lattes. <laughs> we are ready for you, girl. And in case you haven't heard about it yet, the Move Nourish Shine Collective is the first wellness mentorship program that coaches you as a human 
not a number. We'll combine not just fitness and nutrition, but also mindset for a total transformation that creates a life and mind that just feels amazing and feels like home. The program is designed to empower you to create a wellness lifestyle that makes sense and feels good to you because no cookie cutter plan can do that. Let's face it. You'll be supported, heard, and loved every step of the way. And who doesn't want that? So if that sounds like it could be the missing piece for you, and I know it is for so many women, this is your official invitation. And now is your chance to be among the first to join the collective and commit to creating a future of confidence, connectedness, and a crazy bright shine. And trust me when I say that I know where you're at now. I know exactly how you feel. And I also know exactly how to get you where you want to go. And I walked that road alone so that you don't have to. So if you're ready to join us and become a part of the Move Nourish Shine Collective or just want to learn more about it, go to movenourishshine.com and that will explain everything. But you also know where to find me. If you still have questions, you can just send me a DM at Marie E. Wold on Instagram. And again, the website is movenourishshine.com. Early enrollment is open for just a couple more days. So I highly encourage you not to wait any longer. And we'll be starting as a group on December 3rd. And I hope to see you inside, girl. Hey, Jesse, thank you so much for being on the show. Hi, love. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to get all of the wisdom and knowledge and encouragement that you have for us today. And I know that this is just going to create a super empowering space for our listeners over the holidays, wherever they are right now. But to kick things off, can you share with us like what your background is in terms of your personal journey with health and fitness and wellness, as well as like your educational background and all of that good stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So my journey has been definitely a crazy one. And I think most of us can relate to that being on a journey of the all or nothing roller coaster for a really, really long time. And that was, that was my reality for over a decade. I struggled with all different types of issues in my relationship with food and my body. And it was like this constant mental tug of war between wanting to feel good in my own skin and also not wanting to feel absolutely crazy around food. And it seemed like Mm -hmm. no matter what I did, I couldn't get to this place of balance. And this resulted in me going to more and more extremes, whether that was, you know, starving myself or diving into fitness competitions and just completely going off the deep end there or going on these like ridiculously low calorie diets and high intensity workout programs. And then when I'd get to this point of, you know, mentally and physically fatiguing from these extreme measures, I would lose all control around food. And I wasn't able to stop myself from the spiraling out of control and gaining all the weight back. And yeah, that was my reality for many, many years. And it was disheartening. It was really, really frustrating. And I didn't know what was wrong with me. I questioned myself a lot. I thought I was broken. I thought, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought I was weak willed. I thought there was just something that was crossed in my brain that like I had a defect or something in my DNA was messed up. Like, why couldn't I just find this place of balance. And so I decided, you know what, I really need to figure out what is going on in my relationship with food. And so I dove into years and years of therapy. And I also signed myself up for Overeaters Anonymous. And 
when neither of those things worked for me personally and the weight gain continued and the spiraling out of control with food continued, I turned back to dieting. And so it was just a vicious cycle. And getting to the place where I'm at now has definitely been a process of evolution. It hasn't been like, okay, one day I woke up and you know suddenly I have this blissful balanced relationship with food. It was an evolutionary process. And I know that we'll get into that. But yeah, I kind of went through this process of trying to figure out what works for me and taking baby steps to find my balance. And eventually, when I really got to this healthy balance place, I ended up enrolling through the Institute for the Psychology of Eating to become credentialed as an eating psychology coach to be able to help women find their balance as well, because it was such a battle for me for so many years. So yeah, that's a little bit of my story and where I came from and yeah, what I do. Mm, I can resonate with a lot of aspects of your journey. Like you said, so many women find themselves stuck in that cycle or that like pendulum swinging back and forth of like, okay, I need to restrict more. I need to buckle down. And then like, obviously that's not maintainable. So we go the other direction and like, just totally lose control. And it's like, that has become kind of normalized in our culture, but no one talks about it because it's still taboo. And like, we're all ashamed of it, right? Like there's so much shame and just guilt. And like you said, everyone feels like it's their fault or like something's wrong with them. They just don't have enough willpower or discipline or they don't want it bad enough. They're not motivated enough. There's so much like guilt and blame and shame around that. So what was like your first step to coming out of that place and like realizing that there was a solution. People ask me this all the time. Like what was the one thing or the one moment or this like aha light bulb, you know, experience that just changed everything for you. And that wasn't how it happened at all. Like I said, it was this slow evolutionary process of taking one little step and then the next step and then the next step. And the way that that journey unfolded for me was I was a slave to meal plans and had no idea how nutrition worked at all. I was just completely devoted to my meal plan. And if I did anything outside of that, it was like this downward spiral. And when I was introduced to the world of flexible dieting, that was like one little step for me in understanding that, hey, there's more freedom to be had here. And the way that I was viewing nutrition you know, maybe there was something else. And so I then took that little step and I learned about flexible dieting and I understood kind of what my body needs and how to eat in accordance with its needs. And then I realized like, hey, this isn't the end. Like this isn't my stopping point. There's more, there's more freedom to be had here. And that's when I then took the next step and dove into the world of intuitive eating. And so it's kind of just been a process of being introduced to little things that allowed me to feel safe in this journey of evolving. Yeah. And so going back to the concept of flexible dieting, can you explain what exactly it is for those who don't know yet? Yeah, absolutely. So flexible dieting is essentially being able to eat in accordance with your body's macronutrient needs. So whatever your body's needs are in terms of protein, carbohydrates, and fat, those are the three macronutrients. And basically the premise of flexible dieting is that you can eat any foods that you want. No foods are off limits as long as it fits within your body's caloric and macronutrient needs. And so what that did for me was it went from, you know, being a slave to this meal plan and only allowing myself to eat, you know, maybe 25, 30 different foods to this whole world of food opening up to me. 
But yet the structure of knowing, okay, I need to stay within these macros allowed me to feel comfortable during that phase Mm -hmm. of my journey because it wasn't just like, okay, I'm going from eating 20 to 30 different foods to intuitive eating. Like what even is that? That was kind of where my head was at in that process. So flexible dieting really bridged that gap for me. Yeah. I really appreciate that you're talking about flexible dieting as kind of like a stepping stone because I think a lot of people are either afraid to try it because they think that like once they do it, they have to live like that forever in order to like make the results or stay healthy mm-hmm. or a lot of people who do it and like are very successful in it are afraid to let go of it. Yeah. And I feel like it's a tool, but it can also be used incorrectly. Like if you are using it as a crutch and like you can't live without tracking your food or like making sure you know the nutrition content of everything you eat or whatever, then like it's become a problem. And I mean, like anything like too much of a good thing is bad. Yeah. So how did you know it was time to move on from flexible dieting or like tracking all of your food and take more of an intuitive approach? Yeah. Before I answer that question, I do think you're so spot on. And I also think flexible dieting gets such a bad rap with more and more people transitioning into intuitive eating. And the thing that I would really say about that is it's not for everybody. Like we're all super unique. And like you said, it can be a tool that is very useful in your journey if it doesn't cause you to become obsessive. If it doesn't produce all these unhealthy tendencies in you, then it can be used as a tool. And some people like myself, I know if I didn't have that tool in my transitionary period from this white knuckle grip of control on my meal plan to having, you know, a little more flexibility with flexible dieting, I would have been terrified. Yeah. So yeah, I really love kind of having this discussion because people will see me and they'll message me on my social media and they'll be like, man, you used to preach flexible dieting. And I'm like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, there is absolutely nothing wrong with it. But like you said, it's a tool and you get to this point where it's like, man, I want to be able to just eat without counting. Like I want to be able to have that freedom and feel comfortable doing so. Mm -hmm. I knew it was time for me when I was just sick of it. And it started to feel like so much more of a chore than something that made me feel safe and secure as I was evolving my relationship with food. So when it became this thing where I was like, man, this is just a chore. I'm tired of this that's when I decided, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And so it was nerve wracking at first, but I slowly just kind of released the grip of control over tracking everything. And I started by, you know, I'm not going to track on the weekends. And, you know, now I'm not going to track at breakfast. And I just started like weaning off the times that I would track until I didn't track at all. Yeah, I think a lot of people are under the impression that flexible dieting is like, the one size fits all solution Mm. to either reaching a certain physique goal, which it can be an extremely effective way to transform a physique, but it's not the only way. And people also think it's like the one size fits all solution to improving someone's relationship with food. And that's absolutely not true. Like it can be very beneficial, I say, for people who need to learn about like portion control and what, you know, a serving of peanut butter looks like, or like they need to just get in tune with what they're consuming. Like maybe someone who chronically under or overeats, like it's so helpful or for someone that needs a safe space to introduce new foods and like feel like they still have structure, but it's absolutely not for everyone. So who would you say is maybe not a good fit for flexible dieting? I do not think it is a good fit for people who feel easily triggered by having structure. Like when you start to 
place this structure of having to, you know, eat this many grams of protein, carbs, and fat, and that starts to feel triggering. And that produces anxiety. And that produces feelings of failure. If you don't, you know, hit your certain targets, then I don't think it's for you. The people that I think it works really well as kind of an intermediary tool in the transition to just finding balance with food, I think it works well for people who would claim to be maybe perfectionist by nature and they really need control over everything and the structure, like having flexibility within this structure makes them feel safe. Mm -hmm. And so if it's making you feel triggered, if it's causing overwhelm, if it's causing stress, if it's causing anxiety and all of these things, absolutely, this is not the right approach. But if you go into this like I did and I felt oh my gosh, I can actually eat, you know, a cup of ice cream and it fits. And that felt really great for me at the time. That can be a tool in overcoming a lot of different fear foods too, like you said. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on having the right reason for taking up a new approach or a new goal or a new routine? Because I find that so many women take up new routines from a negative place. Like they hate what they see in the mirror or they want to wear a smaller size. They feel pressure from society. They think that changing their body will like finally give them confidence or happiness. So what are your thoughts on starting something from a place of negativity versus positivity? Yeah, I think we're so used to and we've been so conditioned to take things away as if it's going to add more to our life. So Mm -hmm. we've been conditioned to believe, you know, the smaller we are, the better we are or the more attractive we are or, you know, it's like we constantly want to reduce things out of our life to somehow become more. And I think having this mental perspective shift of what can I add to my life that produces more fulfillment, more joy, more health, whatever that is, instead of I hate this, so I need to do this thing. It's like, what about looking at exercise from a totally different perspective and saying, how can I manage my stress a little bit better through physical activity? Or, you know, how can I feel more energy by eating a more balanced diet? And I think if we can think about what things do we want to add, not what things do we want to eliminate, I think that mental shift is really, really powerful. And that's something I encourage in my clients. It's like, how can we look at this in a totally different light? Because when you do something out of fear of not wanting to gain weight or out of disgust in your own body or whatever it is, the way that I like to explain it to my clients is it is literally like putting bad oil into your quote unquote engine, your internal environment and expecting it to go further faster, longer. And it's like, if we can switch this and put good oil, you know, into our engine, and that is the self love, that's that I want to be healthier, I need to be more active, because I want to be able to move my body longer, I want to have strong bones, you know, like all of these things, I want more energy when we look at it. From that perspective, everything changes and the motivation isn't so fleeting. It becomes something that we look forward to because of what it adds to our life. Yeah. And I always stress that like if you're coming from a place of negativity or I call it lack, like if you feel like you're missing something or you need to be a different way in order to have a better life, then the process isn't going to be fun either because personally, like I went through a phase of this when I was maybe like 16 or so and I would go to the gym because I hated the way that I looked like I would fuel myself with insecurity and like 
self-hatred and that was what got me to the gym that's what kept me sticking to like my meal plan and all that stuff and so the process was miserable so even when I did reach my goal of weighing x amount of pounds and having a thigh gap and like looking like a certain way I still wasn't happy because the whole entire process was miserable like it wasn't fun I didn't feel fulfilled and I got there and I was like okay now what? Like, I'm not confident. Why didn't this work? Right. And it's like, we wonder why we get there and we're still unhappy yet the whole time, like our internal environment has just been festering with all this negative, like, and we expect to get to this place and suddenly like it's fairy tales and rainbows and, you know, like unicorns and it's not. Yeah. It's like destination happiness. Like I'll be confident when I'll be happy when I'll feel good when, and it's like, you have to work on that stuff now while you're on the process. Otherwise, like meeting your arbitrary goal is never going to give you that. Right. Never. Yeah. So I want to switch gears a little and talk about your competing history because you never really hold back about like the realities of what competing is like. And you've had very different experiences across like preps and federations and stuff. And I just want to hear about like that story and what your thoughts are now that you have some distance from it. Yeah, I started competing oh years and years and years ago. I did my first show and that was one of the extreme measures that I took. At the time, I thought, okay, this is going to solve my issues with food and body, right? Like that was the idea that I had. I think so many of us have that. Like we think this is going to be the thing that, you know, makes me feel confident. And so Yeah, I competed. My first show was in the NPC. And that was when I was really, really a slave to a meal plan. Like I said, I was probably eating maybe 25 different foods. And that was it. And it was miserable. It was exhausting. And my hormones were completely messed up. And I remember the final few weeks leading up to the show, I was so mentally, emotionally and physically fatigued that even walking around. I was living in Florida at the time. And I remember flying back to Colorado because that's where the show was. And I had to stop in the airport and hold on to the wall because I thought I was going to collapse. And my body was shaking and taking the next step was hard for me. And I remember I broke, like I mentally snapped and I had a piece of gum and I was devastated. Like I wasn't supposed to be having like gum the final week of the show. And yeah, I ended up doing that show. And I remember being backstage and I was kneeling and a friend of mine was like, are you okay? And I was like, I feel like I'm going to just fall over. Like I had nothing left in me. And I remember as soon as I walked off stage, I started what turned into a four or five month binge eating spiral, gaining 50 pounds back on my small frame in that short amount of time. And literally feeling more crazy than I ever had around food in my entire life, Mm -hmm. like ever. And yeah, so that was my first experience. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, how do women do this over and over and over again? Like I literally thought I was like kissing death, you know, like that's how weak I felt at the end. So yeah, I started obsessively researching, like, how do they do this over and over again? What do I do? And that's actually when I stumbled across Lane Norton, who, if those of you listening don't know who he is, he, for many years, has been kind of the foremost expert in the study of the metabolism and has really created a lot of positive change in the fitness industry in terms of his knowledge and what he's taught and what he shared. And so I later ended up hiring him to be my coach and mentor 
And I started to learn flexible dieting. And under his guidance, I kind of learned an entirely different approach to nutrition. And I started to learn things like reverse dieting and repairing your metabolism. And that's when I ended up pursuing other shows in the WBFF, which is a different organization where the requirement or what they look for isn't as absolutely shredded lean as some other federations. It's a more feminine, soft look. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to try this again and maybe do it in a more balanced approach. And so I ended up competing a number of shows, earning my pro status in the WBFF. And I really had a positive experience in those shows. There were definitely moments throughout my history of competing, even in a more healthy way that you know, it's extreme. Mm -hmm. Like you can't argue that it's not, you know, no matter what you do, it is really, really extreme. So yeah, I look back at that time in my life and, you know, I think a lot of people expect me now to totally bash fitness and flexible dieting and competing. And the reality is I don't, it's all part of my story and it all served a purpose. Would I recommend that to probably nobody? (laughs) Like, to be honest, I probably wouldn't recommend competing unless you are such an extreme type that, you know, that fuels you to keep going. But the amount of people that can compete and maintain total mental, physical, and emotional health is probably 0.001%. Yep. So yeah, that was kind of my experience. It taught me a lot and it was really transformative in my understanding of nutrition and the body. And it's something that I'll look back on and I extract a lot of lessons out of, but being on the outside of it and knowing that I will never compete again. And when people, you know, tell me they want to compete, I typically recommend that they don't or that they really, really go deep and ask like, why is this that I want to do it? Yeah, I'm totally on the same page. I would say I had a somewhat similar experience to you where I, I did practice flexible dieting from the beginning during my competition career, quote unquote. But even then, like you said, it's so extreme, no matter how unlimited your food choices are, like your calories are going to get really low to where you're not eating anything that's quote unquote fun. You're not like feeling super energized. You're not feeling good because you're at unhealthily low body fat levels. Like you're spending so much time in the gym. Mm -hmm. So even if you are super flexible about it, it's still an extreme process. And so can you touch on what kind of side effects or like things that you experienced after competing, even when you did have like a more balanced approach to your second prep? Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, you get low, like your calories will get low. That is just the fact of getting very, very lean. It's what you have to do to get your body to that place. And is that the healthiest for you physically? Absolutely not. And so there are a lot of different things that happen, even when you pursue it in a healthy, balanced manner. And multiple things happened to me, even when I was pursuing in a healthy, balanced manner. One of those was insomnia, I started having a really hard time sleeping. My sleep pattern was off. My body was having a really hard time recovering. And that's very common. I've heard that amongst a lot of competitors. And my period was really irregular. I would have it and then I wouldn't. My period has always been really irregular. So I don't contribute at all to competing, but that definitely is a side effect that so many women experience when they get to those low levels. I definitely lost mine for a long time because of competing. So it's common. Yeah, for sure. And then really low sex drive too. Like your hormones change and your energy energy decreases. And I feel like the best way to explain it to somebody who's never gone there, I feel like you're kind of muted Mm -hmm. on the inside. Like everything's just dialed down. Like your metabolism 
slows down when you're eating less, you know, everything's functioning at a slower rate internally. And thus, like what begins to happen mentally is it's just like this narrowing in. I almost feel like it's like a tunnel vision effect. Like everything starts to slow down and this tunnel is closing in on you and you're just looking at the end goal. And if you don't know how to manage that from like an elite athlete level, that can be crushing mentally. And yeah, again, I just don't think it's something that most people should pursue. And I'm really glad that more women are speaking out about their experiences. And I think it's good to hear, you know, both the positive and the negative and then make the decision for yourself. But certainly not the answer if you're trying to repair your relationship with food or, you know, find confidence in your own skin. That's not going to produce the results that it seems like it would. Yeah. For me, competing taught me a lot and really like proved how disciplined and committed I can be and how hard I can work and like, you know, proved a lot of things about who I am internally. And like, I'll always be grateful for that. But I think that there were probably healthier, more productive ways to find those lessons as well. But like you said, I don't regret it, even though it wasn't like necessarily the smartest thing to do. And one of the things that I struggled with a lot after words was when you're competing, your measurement of progress is, am I getting leaner? Yeah. Did I lose weight this week? Did I get smaller this week? Am I seeing more muscles this week? And that's like how you measure your progress. And it's kind of this fine line that's very dangerous as far as like, are you attaching yourself worth to that? Are you using that as a measurement of like how good of a person you are, those sort of things. Mm. And so did you have that experience? And if so, like, can you talk about the right and wrong ways to approach progress in general? Yeah, again, it's super hard to distinguish between that when you are checking in every single week or multiple times a week standing on the scale and, you know, success means the scale dropping and being stagnant is when the scale doesn't move or when it goes up or whatever. It's like the measures of progress are so finite. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, did the scale drop a pound? Did my waist go in an inch? Whatever it is. And it becomes so draining and exhausting mentally. It's so hard not to forget that progress is measured in so many other ways on our health and fitness journey. This is something that I actually work with my clients in is redefining what health actually means. And that's not just physical, mental, and emotional, like those are components of health. But if you were to really look at and define what a healthy individual needs to thrive, you need to look at your life more than just, okay, am I physically? And when we get into physical health component, we literally boil it down to a number on the scale. And that's like the metric that we use, which is absolutely crazy. Yeah. Because that number can be dropping and our health can also be deteriorating. Or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so it's so important to look at, you know, your progress. If you're just looking at the physical component, looking at, you know, what are other ways to measure progress? Like what about energy levels? What about hormonal health? What about your sleep? What about your sex drive? What about your skin? You know, all of these different things. What about when we go into mental and emotional, like how does your mind function? How do you manage stress? How are you coping? Mm -hmm. All these different ways that we can start to look at progress. And I think when it comes to, you know, physical and whether, you know, we're trying to go through a transformation or we're trying to develop our physique or work on our body. It's like, Hey, we don't have to look at the number on the scale. How do your clothes fit? You know, how are you feeling energetically? Where is your stamina at? And then getting beyond just looking at health from like this physical, emotional, mental standpoint, like looking at it from 
social, financial, like your environmental health. If we can start looking at health from a broader perspective, man, does our mindset around this change so much. And when I was able to finally get out of this world of, you know, being all consumed in looking at my progress from just my weight and really bring it up to a more higher level overview and say like, wait a second, look at my relationships because I've been so focused on my weight. My relationships with those closest to me have deteriorated. Mm -hmm. I'm irritable with them or I'm short tempered. Looking at things like that and really having that reality check, like is this number on the scale worth all of these other things that it's affecting negatively? And how can I find a balance in all of this? So all of my little buckets of health are fulfilled and I'm feeling holistically, you know, like this whole body health, this fullness of life that's there for us. Right. So yeah, taking progress and zooming that out. So important. Yeah. I always say that, well, first of all, if you're letting the scale like dictate your emotions at the beginning of the day, like the first thing you do when you wake up is you go to the bathroom and then you weigh yourself. And then like that determines whether you're going to be happy or angry that day. And then mm-hmm. you carry that into the rest of your day. Like everyone else suffers too from that. So that's like a very selfish kind of cycle to be trapped in. And it's not necessarily that it's like your fault and you're a bad person for being trapped in that. But like, you need to be aware that that is impacting your quality of life and impacting your relationships. And then on another level, I always tell people that if they are so focused on food and their body, that they have no bandwidth left for anything else, they are missing out on like all the best parts of life. So true, Marie. And I love how you live that out so well across your social platforms. I think it's so awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I just love that you share the realities of what joy is. And it's so much more than, you know, this number on the scale. And it's a process, like it's a practice, right? Feeling comfortable when, you know, when you're not a body weight that, you know, you once were that you think you should be, people will ask, like, how are you so comfortable? And I'm sure you probably get similar questions. Like, how are you so comfortable, you know, just putting it all out there when maybe you looked like this in the past or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I always say like, it's a practice. Like I didn't just wake up and feel good about, you know, having rolls and like sagging here and this there and whatever. Like I just chose to practice every single day, quieting the inner critic and instead drowning it out with self-love and self-compassion and affirmations and looking at myself in the mirror and literally looking in my own eyes and saying out loud words of love, what I love about myself, why this is beautiful on my body. And doing that enough times, your brain starts to believe it. And then you live it out and it becomes more and more natural. Yeah. I love that you just listed tangibles because I think for a lot of people, you hear from women like us who are like, I'm on the other side. Like, I promise it's possible. You can be here too. Like there's so much freedom on the other side. And they're like, okay, I kind of believe you. Like, I hope you're telling the truth, but I don't really think that that's going to be true for me. But if we can like lay out tangibles as far as like, these are the exact steps that I took. And if you just keep putting one foot in front of the other here, here and here, you will be closer to where I'm at. So can you just recap what those tangible action steps might be or might look like? Yeah, absolutely. This one that I'm going to share is one of my favorites to share because of how powerful it is if you do it consistently over time. And I'm a spiritual person. I love that kind of whole like spiritual world, but also I really, really appreciate science. And so I love kind of marrying the two and seeing how can we bring the spiritual into science and what does that look like? And so 
I think a lot of times, you know, when you follow self-love gurus or, you know, people who are preaching body positivity or whatever it is, a lot of times it can feel kind of airy fairy, like you said, like, oh, I want to believe you, but how, you know, like, how do I get there? And so one of the activities that will absolutely change your life if you do it consistently, and you can literally start with like three, five minutes a day doing this, it's an activity called future pacing. And this is a mental technique where you essentially imagine yourself in a future situation with the desired outcome already being achieved. And so if you were to look to the spiritual world, you might hear this termed manifestation or something along those lines. But if you really dig into the science of how the brain works and look at this kind of practice, you will see that it's used by elite athletes, you know, top businessmen, people who are really, really focused on honing the ability to kind of create and project the future mm-hmm. and have that happen. So one of the first times I heard about an activity similar to this was my husband's best friend. He's a professional MMA fighter. And he was telling us how he preps for a fight, not just the physical component of training, but something that he does before he actually steps in the cage. Because he was saying when he steps in the cage, it's literally a blackout. He doesn't remember anything that happens when he's in the cage. It's all just autopilot. And and I thought this was so fascinating the first time I heard it. He said, I will envision exactly what is going to happen in the cage before it even happens. And I know that we were both at Angie Lee's Pays to be Brave. Mm-hmm. And her brother was talking about a very similar activity where he literally will envision stepping into the cage and executing you know, his game plan perfectly before it even happens. So that by the time he's in this high pressure situation, it just happens. Like it's just automatic. And if we can boil this activity down and extract it for our purposes, it's really, really powerful. It's a technique that some psychologists use. And basically the way that I teach it to the gals that I work with is if you just get a journal and I was never a huge journaler. So those of you who are like, oh, this sounds like work. I promise it is worth it. (laughs) Get a journal and literally set a timer on your phone. You can start with three minutes, five minutes and literally write down one page in the journal, something that you wish was already a reality as if it's already a reality. So writing it in the present tense. If you want to feel good in your own skin, you could write down something like, I feel effortlessly self-confident. I wake up feeling amazing in my own body. I look in the mirror and I smile with gratitude because I am thankful for all that I am. And that's all that I focus on. And, you know, writing it as if it's already a reality is so, so powerful because here's the deal. Our brains don't know the difference between what is real and what is just perceived. And so if you start telling your brain enough times what the situation is, what you want reality to be, what it does is it goes to work to reinforce that. And likewise, our brain will go to work to reinforce all the negativity that we allow to swirl around in there. And the best way to describe this is You know, the phenomena when, you know, you want to buy a new car and all of a sudden you start to see the car that you want everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, oh, like there's a forerunner. Oh, there's another forerunner or whatever it is. That is this mental phenomena that happens in our brain when we focus on something is literally your brain goes to work to find evidence to back it up. Mm -hmm. So if you are letting the words like I'm fat, I'm ugly, I feel disgusting, I'm this, I'm that, if you're allowing that to float around in your brain, guess what? Your brain is going to go to work throughout the day to find things that reinforce that message. And likewise, if you're doing this future pacing activity every single day, 
where you're writing out maybe what you want to feel for the day or where you want to be in a week or where you want to be in a year. It doesn't matter. You can write about, you know, your relationship with food or you can write about the same thing every day, something different every day. And you just keep doing that over and over and over again. It will literally change everything. Yeah. And I find when I'm consistently doing like future pacing or manifestation or affirmation work, I can feel it in my body, like what it's like to reach that point. And not only does then like my brain and body conspire to make it happen, I also feel like this motivation and peace about the process. And like, I feel confident about moving forward and like taking steps because it's not just about like imagining it and then sitting back and waiting, but it's imagining it so that you feel excited and secure and at peace with like the process of pursuing that. Like manifestation isn't one of those things where it's just like magic and things fall into your lap. Like you still have to work, but you feel so good about putting in the work. Yeah, totally. And I think I was the person for so long that I would hear that word like manifestation. I'd be like, they are so weird. Like, (laughs) you know, and then I started reading the research and I was like, whoa, like this thing has a term that's not spiritual, future pacing. And it actually has some really cool backing in the research on just kind of what happens in the brain when we do these types of activities. So Yeah, I love that you also do that. It's so powerful. And it can be used for literally any part of your life, like whether that's financial or confidence or your health or your relationships, like you can apply it to literally anything. And I think what we should talk about next is our relationship with food. Like it can totally be applied to how you look at food, how you look at your body. Like I'm in love with my body. I look at food as nourishment. All of those things are super powerful. So let's talk about like food relationships stuff, especially with the holidays coming up. And we know that food is like central to the holidays. Thanksgiving will be in a couple days. And for a lot of people, including me in the past, that brings up like major food anxiety, social anxiety. And that can just like if you already have an unhealthy mindset with food, it's not really an enjoyable experience. (laughs) So relate to that. And then let's like move into some tips and just advice around it. Absolutely. I remember literally dreading this time of year. And how sad is that? Yeah. Right? Like, this is such a happy time of year. And it should be celebratory. And it should be filled with, you know, making memories with those that we love. And yet it's overshadowed for so many of us with this food anxiety and with this fear and with this shame and with this guilt. And yeah, I definitely can relate. I remember being so anxious to go home for the holidays because My mom, who she's always been a very petite woman, she had a very healthy relationship with food, with her body, naturally petite, was never an issue with food. We ate really well-balanced meals, but she loves to bake. And I have a massive sweet tooth. I would go home and literally, Marie, like every end table in the house had like a three-tiered tray of all her different baked goods. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm like, I couldn't sit on the couch without looking to like my right or left and having, you know, 10 different options of if I wanted, you know, fudge or cookies or, you know, whatever it was. That's so dangerous. (laughs) I'm like, okay, mom. And then she would wake me up the next morning and be like, I made homemade cinnamon rolls for you. And just like all of this stuff. And I know it's just her love language, but for me, it would crush me. And so, yeah, I definitely can relate to feeling so much anxiety this time of year. With your mom, like, did you experience resentment or trying to like distance yourself from her because you just didn't know how to like handle that aspect? Yeah. I mean, I was just frustrated and I never really projected it towards her. I was just internally so 
distraught and so frustrated. I was just irritable, you know, and I would snap at her, I would snap at other people and they wouldn't even, you know, I was like, what, where is this? It's coming from left field for them. Yeah. It was so much turmoil that I dealt with internally that it would definitely come out in all of these really bizarre ways. Yeah. And in a holiday season, like it's supposed to be about connecting with the people that you love, like spending time with them, slowing down and just appreciating like who's around you. And so if we are so focused in and like hyper aware of food and our bodies during that time, like you are missing out on the point of it, first of all, and also just missing out on all of the memories. I have years where I mostly just remember stressing out about food and like making a point to find a gym that was open instead of like just hanging out with my family, like watching football on Thanksgiving or, you know, just like slowing down and enjoying the time because I was so worked up about how the holidays were going to quote unquote ruin my progress or whatever. And I also didn't trust myself to enjoy things in a balanced way. Like I knew that as soon as I sat down, it would be like game over. Or as soon as I walked in and like saw the cheese board or whatever, like I knew it was game over and it was just going to be a bad experience. So what are some strategies that we can share with people so that they can approach the holidays in a way that's loving and balanced and like allows them to focus on other things? Yeah, so important. I love that you're sharing this with your listeners because I think man, if we can learn some of these techniques and strategies and really enjoy this time of year and enjoy all year, like this doesn't have to just be, you know, just a strategy for right now. Like how can we totally evolve our relationship with food? But specifically some of the techniques and strategies that I implemented when I was really working on finding my balance with food and that I teach a lot of my clients, some of my favorite ones, again, the future pacing activity, Mm -hmm. I would recommend that anybody who's feeling anxious about going into the holidays, whether that's with food or just being around family, if that's triggering in one way or another, to do this activity and write down in your journal what you want to have happen again, as if it's already happened. So for me, it could have been, you know, I go home, I feel effortlessly at peace when I see all of the dessert trays, I'm able to enjoy them in moderation, not feeling like I miss out. If I stop, I'm able to enjoy, you know, a nice meal without going back for thirds, fourths and fifths till I feel totally stuffed to the brim and uncomfortable. Like just writing out what you want to have happen before you already get there is really powerful. And then a strategy that I really, really love to share um, for all of the different holiday events, whether you're going to, you know, multiple dinner parties in a day or whatever it is, a lot of the holiday meals are usually kind of buffet style. There's food spreads everywhere. And something that I really love doing is when you get somewhere, start by interacting with the people that are there before you go straight over to the food. Like start by setting the pace of being present with your loved ones and really intentional with them without being so preoccupied with the food, knowing that you can have it, knowing that it's there for you and not kind of going in with this last supper mentality. Like this is the only day I can totally blow it and forget my diet and mentally check out. Like try not to have that mentality and instead, yeah, I can enjoy as much of this as I want, but I'm really here to enjoy, you know, my family and my loved ones and the occasion. And then When it's time to eat, grab a smaller plate and go sample everything. Like go get a little taste of everything instead of, you know, grabbing a big plate and building it out and then being like, oh, I really want more of the sweet potatoes, but not as much of the stuffing, but I better eat all this stuffing because I put it on my plate. Like go try everything Mm -hmm. so that 
you know, like, oh, I really liked that. I could go without that, whatever. And then once you kind of have a taste of everything that's there, then go grab a plate. And instead of mindlessly grazing, go get a good serving of everything that you actually really want that tasted best to you. Build a plate sit down and be present with your food. Enjoy the company that's around you. Enjoy the food, smell it, like literally allow yourself to extract as much satisfaction from it as possible. Because what happens when we do that is it registers in the brain, like satisfied, fulfilled, instead of, you know, eating, mindlessly grazing and never really feeling satisfied, but being totally bloated, overly full, and still not feeling satisfied. So I really love that strategy of kind of sampling everything and then going and building a plate and actually sitting down, having a drink with me and really just enjoying the meal and then allowing time to pass to feel the fullness and just check in with how my body's feeling. Before I go and do the same thing with like the dessert platter, I'll go and get a little sample, like cut off a little piece of, you know, the bar or the cake and I'll try everything. And then I'm like, yeah, I don't want that. I want a piece of cheesecake or whatever it is. And then I do the same thing with dessert, but I give myself, you know, a few hours to feel the fullness before I go back and do that. And that is how I've stopped mindlessly grazing in any type of social situation is I kind of approach it that way. That is so simple, but so profound. And I think a lot of people would tend to have the opposite approach where like, they make really rigid rules, like I'm not going to let myself have anything with bread. So like no stuffing, no rolls, Mm -hmm. whatever, like they just try to make rules to cut things out versus like allowing themselves to try everything and then just choose what they actually truly want and like what's going to be worth it to them. So I think that's really powerful is like just embracing the abundance that's there because there's always going to be abundance at a holiday party, but like managing it in a way that feels good and like not overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And if you go into the holidays with all of these rules, and I think most of us can attest to this, what happens like 10 out of 10 times we crumble within an hour anyways. And it's like, Mm -hmm. we have the screw it mentality and you know, we're elbow deep in the potatoes. And so it's like, (laughs) Don't do that and expect it to work again this year. Like try a different approach, release the rules and allow yourself to enjoy, but do so in a way that doesn't feel so like, oh, I'm just going to blow it and do whatever I want. Like have a strategy for really enjoying this to the fullest without totally losing it. Yeah. And just with like health and fitness goals in general, I think people always assume that more rules, more structure, more buckling down, more restriction, like that's the answer if they haven't succeeded in the past. Like, oh, I just need to try harder, do more, restrict more. And it's actually usually the other way around. And like, it's very counterintuitive, but like they actually need to release a little bit of the rules and like give themselves more freedom and give themselves room to quote unquote mess up or get off track or whatever. Because in reality, like if you're giving yourself so many rules and restrictions, you're going to want to rebel. Totally. And when you do mess up, you'll spiral. Absolutely. That is the key. And anybody listening to this, like rewind that section and listen to that again, because that's That's what happens. We think that if we box ourselves in to these rules and the more rules we place on ourselves, the more control we have. But here's the reality. It is a perceived control Mm -hmm. that the moment that we fatigue, because we always fatigue when we're hanging on to so much internal pressure, 
we go off the deep end and we binge. And so that's why we're stuck in these cycles is we think that the answer is more rules and more restriction. But when in reality, the answer is less rules, less restriction, and in place, what ends up settling in is more balance. But there's a period where it feels very out of control because you're releasing all of this internal built up pressure. And we get so afraid of that because it feels like we're going to spiral out of control forever and never stop. But that's just the initial releasing of all this built up internal pressure. And when you let that out long enough, food loses its glossy, shiny allure where we feel like when we finally allow ourselves to have it, we want to go crazy on it. That dissipates over time. Yeah. And you can apply that over the long term as far as like really healing your relationship with food and trying to take a more intuitive approach or even dial it in and apply it to a day. Like let's say Thanksgiving day, if you don't eat breakfast, you have chicken and broccoli for lunch, you work out for two hours in the morning, like you're doing all these things to compensate for your dinner. You're a hundred times more likely to like lose control and just really spiral when you finally get to Thanksgiving dinner because of how many rules and how much pressure you put on yourself. Whereas if you treat it like any other day, treat it like any other family dinner, it's more than likely going to be a positive experience. Totally. Instead of like having all this self-judgment around what you eat, if you can go into it and say, I am going to enjoy the hell out of this. Like I am going to enjoy all this wonderful food. And I think we're so afraid to actually allow ourselves to enjoy it for fear that if we enjoy it too much, we won't stop. Mm -hmm. But again, counterintuitive, the exact opposite is true. The more satisfaction you can extract from your eating experience, the more it registers internally and you feel naturally satisfied. And when that begins to happen and you're working in alignment with your mind and body like that, it's the craziest thing. Just like our breathing is naturally regulated. Like we don't have to think about breathing. We don't set rules and restrictions around how we breathe. Same goes for eating. Mm -hmm. It is supposed to be naturally regulated and satisfaction. It's naturally regulated. That is how we are born. But because we put all these rules around it, it becomes so dysfunctional. Like imagine if we always tried to breathe in a certain rhythm or a certain pattern, like it would get really weird and really dysfunctional. That's what happens with food. Yeah. Amen. Oh, this is such a good conversation. I know it's going to help so many people. So let's try to like wrap things up in a little pretty bow for strategies that they can take into Thanksgiving. And let's like try to incorporate some exercise in there too, because I know I give my clients kind of some guidelines because in this case, I think some people do need guidelines and those give them freedom because then they have a context to work within. So what kind of guidelines do you give your clients when it comes to like the week of Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving day? If you want to continue an exercise regimen, don't put the pressure on yourself to have to do it up to what you've normally been doing. Like have alternative approaches, you know, do an at-home workout, you know, 15, 30 minutes, whatever, get a good sweat in, feel good, you know, have your mind cleared with the endorphins. If you want to continue to carry that in, do that, enjoy that, but don't be a slave to it. And then do future pacing, carve out the time, take the five, 10 minutes to yourself every morning and carve out the time before the chaos and all the excitement and the activities of being with family. Like if you have to lock yourself in a bathroom or in a car to be able to have five, 10 minutes to yourself, do it because it'll set your day up for success. Mm -hmm. And then going into not having the last supper mentality around food, like fully enjoy it. Don't feel guilt about it. Go and extract as much satisfaction out of it. And remember the technique of, you know, trying everything on a little plate, seeing what really tastes good to you, go build an actual plate. Like, and don't try and make it a skimpy little plate that you're trying to stay on your diet. Like go enjoy, fully enjoy it, but sit down and enjoy it. Like 
feel the texture of it, smell it. Like, what does it taste like? You know, really extract as much out of it. Be present with your food anytime you eat to avoid this mindless grazing. Mm-hmm. And focus on what this time of year is all about. Be present with your family. Enjoy because, you know, life is so fleeting. And how sad would it be, you know, to get to the end of our lives and look back and think about how much time we wasted with our loved ones stressing about what we were eating or whether or not we were getting our workouts in. That just like hits me to the core because that very well could have been my future if I hadn't, you know, like found the light and Mm -hmm. made a point to walk toward it. I don't want that to be anyone's life, but I know that it's a lot of people's realities right now, but there's so much freedom on the other side. It's so possible to find your rhythm and your truth with food and exercise and like it's okay to let go of control, even though it's scary. Like it is really scary because having that control and having all those rules on yourself is kind of like a safe prison, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Like you know exactly what the walls look like and you know who the guards are, but like you don't know what's outside. Totally. I love that analogy. That is excellent. It's almost like the analogy of, you know, being in an abusive relationship. Like why do so many individuals who are in those relationships end up going back? because it's familiar. It's the same thing. Like, why do we continue to do this to ourselves? It's familiar, you know? And yes, that's a great way to explain it. Yeah. Well, I know that you have a great resource for people who want to approach the holidays with a balanced mindset and really work on freedom around the holidays. So can you share where we can find that and like what it includes? Yeah, absolutely. So it has been highly requested on my social media amongst my clients strategies, a lot of what I talked about today, but even more, more strategies for navigating the holidays with balance and food freedom and being able to enjoy them. So I've created a resource. So if you go to foodfreedomholidayguide.com, it's a free resource. It's an ebook, but there's also video training elements inside that as well as a workbook component that will help you kind of execute some of the strategies that we talked about today and some other ones as well, just so you can enjoy the holiday season for all that it has to offer. So yeah, be sure to check that out, foodfreedomholidayguide.com. I think it'll be something that you guys really, really enjoy. It's something that I wish I would have had when I was in the pit of the struggles myself. So I'm happy to give this out and create it. And hopefully it really brings you guys a lot of peace in the holiday season. Yeah, that sounds like an absolutely incredible resource. So thank you in advance for sharing that with us. But other than your resource, where else can people find you and your work? Yeah, absolutely. So I am on social media on Instagram, primarily at Jesse J-E-S-S-I, Jean, with three N's because somebody has my name and she won't give it to me. So (laughs) I feel that. (laughs) Right? Yeah. That's where you guys can find me and connect with me. Okay. Awesome. Love it. So guys, go find Jessie. Tell her that you came from the podcast. Show her some love and tell her thank you for her time. But Jessie, one last question. Because this is the Grind and Be Grateful podcast, we've got to know what is one thing that you are currently grinding toward and what is one thing that you are hugely grateful for? I love that. I love what you're doing, Marie. And I love the message that you send. Thank you. Podcast. Yes. Thank you for having me on. One thing that I feel like I am really grinding right now, and that is on developing free resources. Mm-hmm. One of those being the Food Freedom Holiday Guide. I feel like there's so much that I have to share and have to give. And so I am grinding super hard to produce just more free resources for food freedom and how that journey works and how to get there without spiraling out of control. So yeah, so there'll be lots of resources coming out to help you guys take kind of first steps in this journey. So very cool. Yeah, thank you. One thing that I'm really, really grateful 
for at this season of my life is honestly just being able to go into the holidays feeling so much ease and so much peace around food. Every year, it settles inside of me more and more, just this ease and effortlessness and peace around food. And it is a lifelong journey and feeling good in your own skin is a lifelong journey, but I'm so grateful to be on that journey and no longer have you know, this destination mindset, but just enjoy the development and the evolution of it. So that's one thing I'm really grateful for right now. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And I'm so happy for you because I know what that journey feels like. And it's just such a relief and feels so good to be, you know, further than you were last year and just like on the right track. And that's something definitely to be grateful for. So thank you so much for being on the show. I loved talking with you. And I know that everyone listening loved hearing from you as well. So again, guys, go show Jesse some love and tell her thank you for being on the show. But you know where to find her, you know where to find me and we will talk to you guys again soon. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for spending your time with me on the Grind and Be Grateful podcast today. I'm super happy that we were able to hang out and share some good vibes today. It would mean the absolute world to me if you could take one second to share this episode with someone who you think would love it, whether it's texting it to your friend, linking it on Twitter, or posting a screenshot on your Instagram story. It is all super appreciated. And please leave a short review on iTunes if you're enjoying it. Tell me what you think. Let me know what you want to hear more of this show is for you so your feedback matters plus it would really help me out on my mission to educate and empower women everywhere to become their very best selves thank you again for listening and supporting the show and until next time don't forget to grind to be grateful my friends Bye.